Second Chronicles chapter 34, we find an interesting story that's given to us there of the word of God being found after it had been lost for a while. And verse 27 kind of sums it up. And the Lord says, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. I want to talk about a tender heart versus a bitter heart. We've been talking about different kinds of hearts for a number of weeks, and it's easy for us, if we aren't careful, to get a bitter heart. And God wants us to keep a tender heart. And so I want to look at several things. I think there's an insert in your bulletin with some notes to fill out. But first of all, let's look at the importance of a tender heart. It's important for us to have a tender heart, and I think all of us agree with that. If you look back in verse 3 earlier in the chapter, Verse 3, it says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So at a very young age, this young man began to seek after the Lord. And the Bible tells us in verse 27, because thine heart was tender. God promises to hear the prayers of a person who has a tender heart. The assurance of that is given to us here in this account of of Josiah. Josiah was made the king at a very early age. In fact, I believe he was eight years of age. At 16, he began to seek God with the God of David with all of his heart. At the age of 20, he began to cleanse his jurisdiction by tearing down the idols and the high places that Israel had built up. And six years later, he began to repair the temple, the house of God, so that they could go back and worship. And as they were repairing the house of God, it was then that they found the word of God. They found the law of God. And when the law of God was read, King Josiah rent his clothes because what he read there told him that God's judgment was coming upon Israel because they had forsaken God and they had turned away from his ways. He then sent a messenger to Huldah, the prophetess, to inquire of God. And God's answer to them was significant. He told Josiah that he would hear his prayer because he had sought the Lord and he had sought to cleanse Israel of their idolatry and to repair the temple. And he did so not primarily because of those things, though that Josiah had did them, but his primary reason was, verse 27, because thine heart was tender. Because he had a tender heart towards the Lord. You know, one of the things that we want to build into the lives of our children and our young people, as well as in our own lives, is that we develop a tender heart toward the Lord. We have a heart for God. We care about the things of God. You know, in this world that we live in today, our young people especially, they have so many things that are pulling their hearts away from the Lord. And there's so many attractions of the world. 
And it's easy to get a bitter heart, and it's easy to get a hard heart and not have a tender heart towards the Lord. Well, what is the definition? What does it mean to have a tender heart? A tender heart is a forgiving heart. Now, that's not often what we think of as a tender heart. We think about caring, we think about kind. But there's a number of references in the Bible that tell us that a tender heart is a forgiving heart. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Receiving to, or refusing to forgive those who have offended us, those that have hurt us, produces a hard heart and a bitter heart. This close association between a tender heart and prayer is seen in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25. It says, And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. God says, when you pray, forgive. If we're going to get our prayers answered, we have to have a tender heart that is willing to forgive those who have harmed us, hurt us, offended us. You know, it's so easy. It seems like it gets more easier, I guess you could say, today for people to get their feelings hurt over little insignificant things. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. Somebody sits in my seat in church, and somebody, you know, so easy to get offended over little things. Now, I know none of you ever get offended over that. I know some of you are like me. I like to sit on the end of the pew where I got the armrest, you know, and you got a little, and when I fly on airplanes, I like to sit on the aisle seat because I have a little bit longer legs, and I like to stretch my legs out in the aisle, and then, of course, I have to pay attention because when they come through with the drink cart or whatever, I've got to get my leg out of the way before it gets smashed as they come down the aisle. But, you know, sometimes we can get possessive and something happens to change our routine. I was talking to, to uh, um, Brother Cilio tonight <laughs> and, and about this morning because they, they usually sit over here on this side. And, and that was all filled up this morning. They came around and had to sit over on this side and, it was like they were in a different church this morning, right? They were visitors. They were on the other side of the church. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes we can get offended about little things, you know. And I, I talk to the ushers and, and constantly encourage them to help people find seats and things, things like that, and they're doing a good job with that. But why, if we have a forgiving heart, you know, somebody says something about you, somebody hurts your feelings, so easy for us to get a bitter heart. And God says that affects our prayer life. If we're not willing to forgive, God's not going to answer our prayers. The Greek word for tender is hapolos. It is used by Jesus to describe the young, the young shoots of a tree, of a fig tree at springtime. I was, uh, Vicky and I do a, a discipleship lesson on Saturdays with uh, Abraham and Betty Ramachadran. And out in front of their house, they have several banana trees. And uh, they, in, the, in the fall, the end of the year, they cut those down. And this year, they were showing us how those banana trees, how they had little shoots that came up and other trees came up, other banana trees around them from that. That's kind of the idea, those young shoots that come up. Some of you have areas where you have... Uh, uh, asparagus. How many of you ever tried to grow asparagus? 
And what happens to it? If you, you leave it there and it keeps growing more roots or more shoots that come up and it keeps coming up like that. Those tender shoots that come up, is, that's this word tender that God uses here. In Matthew 24, verse 32, he says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know the summer is nigh. Those tender shoots, you kind of have to be more careful with them, don't you? You have to be gentle with them. And God says that's the way we're to be. We're to be tender and gentle and careful with the people that have offended us. Instead of being bitter and hard, the word also is used to describe young children that need protection because of the vibrant potential that they possess. We protect them. We guard them. In Genesis thirty-three thirteen, he said unto him, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and the herds and the young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Be careful with those young children, these little children that sang here tonight, and many of you have young children in your homes. They're tender. We're careful with them. We guard them. We protect them. Sometimes people criticize us and say, well, you know, you, you homeschool or you have them in a Christian school or you always take them to church and you're, you're raising greenhouse Christians and when they get out in the world, they're not going to know how to live. Well, what happens in a greenhouse is you raise tender plants and you prepare them for when they're going to be taken out and put in the field and put out in the for our, our terminology, into the world. We're preparing and helping them while they're tender. We're protecting them so that when they're older and stronger, they'll be able to stand in the world. And so the Lord tells us we're to have a tender heart towards the Lord. And we're to have a tender heart towards those that offend us. And then notice, thirdly, how is a tender heart related to God's nature? How is it, if I have a tender heart... It's related to the nature of God. The word tender is oftentimes combined in the Bible with the word mercy to describe the nature and the work of God. Ten times in the Psalms, David appeals to the tender mercies of the Lord. In Psalm 25, verse 6, he says, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. In Psalm 51, in verse 1, you remember David had sinned with Bathsheba, and, and now David is coming to ask for God's forgiveness. And in verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Aren't you glad that when we sin and disobey the Lord, that God is a God of tender mercy and loving kindness? And we can come to him and confess our sin, and he forgives, and David did, and God forgave him. That tender mercy, that word tender, the tender heart, is related to the nature of God, to his tender mercies that he shows towards us. How then does the lack of a tender heart hinder our prayer? How does it hinder our prayer? The apostle Peter warns husbands that we're to honor our wives as unto the weaker vessel being heirs together with the grace of life, that your, what? Prayers be not hindered. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, if you think about it, and we do not forgive those who have offended us, we are actually praying that God will not forgive us. Because the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
So I, when I say, Lord, forgive me like I forgive other people, if I'm not forgiving other people, I'm asking God not to forgive me. Sometimes we've got to be careful what we, what we pray, don't we? Be careful what we sing, the words of the songs. But if we're not willing to forgive others, God's not going to be able to forgive us. And so we need to understand that it affects my prayer life. If I don't have a tender heart towards those who have offended me, what do I usually do? I get a bitter heart. I get a hard heart. God says we've got to keep that tender heart. So then the question is, how do we develop a tender heart? How can I get a tender heart? How can I have a tender heart? Several things that I jotted down. First of all, picture the holiness of God. When we see the holiness of God, it will help us to have a tender heart towards the Lord. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, you remember what he said in Isaiah 6, 5? He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw the Lord. He saw the holiness of God. And when he saw the holiness of God, he saw the sinfulness of himself. I mentioned a few weeks ago about the young girl who was looking out at the, at the sheep on the hillside and she commented about how, how white they were and how beautiful and pure. And that night they had a snowstorm and the snow covered the ground. And the next day when she looked out, those white sheep on the white background weren't so clean and pure anymore. And when we see ourselves in the background of the holiness of God, we begin to see how unclean. Just like Isaiah said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Peter first met Jesus, he saw the miraculous works of the Lord Jesus, and his spontaneous response was this. He said in Luke 5, verse 8, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So we get a picture of the holiness of God. It helps us to keep a tender heart. I'm not as good as I think I am anyway, huh? Yes, we're forgiven. Yes, we're made clean. I understand that. But sometimes we get to think, you know, I'm a good Christian. I do this. I do, and, and praise the Lord, we do all those things. But don't forget, we're just sinners saved by grace. Amen. And it'll help us to keep a tender heart when we understand that others who have offended us, we have offended other people, and we're just as guilty. And so we see the holiness of God. Secondly, contrast our sin with the wrongs of our offenders. Contrast our sins with the wrongs of our offenders. It's easy for us to become bitter towards those that have offended us because we tend to magnify their faults and their offenses. However, when we come and compare them to the willful sins and the iniquities that you and I have committed against Almighty God, there's little else that we can say than what the, the publican said when he went into the temple in Luke 18 and verse 13. The Bible says he smote his breast and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? His tender mercy, His loving kindness. 
If you look with me for a moment at Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the wicked servant will help to motivate us a little bit to contrast our sins with those of our offenders. In Matthew chapter 18, and look down if you would at verse number 21, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, Then came Peter to him, and he said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Peter asked the Lord, Lord, my brother sins against me. How many times do I have to forgive him? Seven times? And what did the Lord say? Jesus said in verse 22 unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, I say unto thee, not until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Seventy times seven. How many is that? All right. 140 times. Now, the Lord didn't mean there that you're supposed to keep a ledger. And you write down every time, okay, Brother Ken, that's, number, that's 10 times you've offended me. I got, only got 130 to go yet. Okay, Brother Bill, that's 20 times. I got 120 to go. And you keep going down and you get to Brother Clint over there. That's 119. I only got one more time. No, that's not what the Lord means for us to count and get down to 140 and say, that's it. No, it's the idea that you forgive and forgive and forgive and you do it so many times it becomes a habit and you're willing to keep on forgiving. I know our human nature doesn't like to do that. We don't get mad, we just get even. How come you all knew that? (laughs) God says we're to not get mad, we're just to forgive, aren't we? And when we don't forgive, it affects our lives and our prayer life and our relationship with the Lord. So we begin to see our sin and our failure, our offenses, in the light of the others around us. He goes on in verse number 23, and he says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was, bought, was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. A lot of money. And our money today, I think that's over a million dollars that he owed him. For, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Listen to this. He commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Aren't you glad we're not in that kind of a society today? Can't pay your bills, and they say, okay, we're going to take you as a servant, and we're going, to, we're going to sell your wife off and sell your kids off as servants. Well, I'm glad we don't live in that kind of a society. But you get the picture. This great debt, it says, all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 26, the servant, therefore, fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. In other words, he said, just give me a little bit more time. Have patience. Give me time and I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred pence, just a small amount of money that he owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. 
And the fellow servant fell down. He did the same thing that that man did. He fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So likewise, or so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, he was angry, and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if, you from, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. This man owed a great debt. He was forgiven. Somebody else owed him a little debt. He would not forgive them. It's a picture of the great debt that the Lord has forgiven us, isn't it? We owed a great debt for our sin, a debt that we could not pay. The little song says, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Our debt was so great. Jesus went to the cross and paid it for us. And then comes this man that just owed a little debt. And what God is saying to us is, when others offend us, that debt, that offense is so small in comparison to our offense against Almighty God. And God says, if I have forgiven you that great debt that you owed, then you must be willing to forgive that person that owes you the little debt. Now, when the wicked servant was called in by his master and told him to pay the huge debt, it's interesting, he did not ask for mercy. He just asked for patience, for an extension of time. In verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay all. That's what religion says. Religion says, God, let me have a little bit more time. Let me work a little bit more. That's work salvation. I can pay it all. That man never could pay that debt. Neither can we ever pay the debt. But he didn't ask for mercy. Because he did not ask for mercy, he was not able to show mercy to the fellow servant that owed him the little amount. Instead, he threw him into the debtor's prison and incurred the wrath of the master who had forgiven so much. The master, therefore, threw him in prison, and he did something else to him. He says, so likewise, or verse 34, his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, sure, your heavenly Father do also unto you. If you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses. Why did he deliver him to the tormentors? I think it was so that he would realize he could never pay the debt. His only choice was not more time. It was mercy. Have mercy. After David sinned, he majored on the mercies of God. We read it in verse 1 of chapter 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. In other words, David said, Lord, blot out my sins, forgive my sins, not according to what I can pay, but according to your mercy. 
your tender mercies. And God says, as he has shown mercy to us, we show mercy to others when they have offended us. Then we must also fully forgive our offenders. Fully forgive all offenders. A tender heart, if I'm going to have a tender heart, it requires that I forgive all of those who offend me. God further mandates that it be a sincere and full forgiveness from the heart. We really mean business. There in verse 34 and 35 of Matthew 18, it says, His Lord was wroth and delivered him to tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Forgive not everyone. We're to forgive all of our offenders. Has anybody offended you and you're still holding a grudge? Has anybody hurt you and you still are looking for a chance to get even and get back at them? The other day we were driving somewhere and this guy went flying past us. And Vicky says, where's the policeman when we need one? <laughs> I hope they catch him and pull him over on down the road. I've had a few times when I saw they had pulled him over. Have you ever, any of you ever had that? You saw them pulled up? And what did you think in your heart? Serves him right. I'm glad they caught him. Boy, we have such mercy, don't we, in our hearts. God says we're to forgive all of our offenders. And then discover why God let it happen. You've been offended, you've been hurt, you've been abused, something's happened in your life. If we don't find out why it's happened, we develop bitterness in our heart. Bitterness blinds us to the ability to forgive our offender, or to forgive God for letting it happen. The Bible says, as you well know, in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good. For good to them that are called according to His purpose. God has a purpose for your life and mine. And whatever happens, even the offenses that other people have towards us, or do the things that they do towards us, God says He has a purpose. It, it works together for my good so that I can fulfill the purpose that God has for me in my life. It works together for good. In order for us to understand how things work together for good, we have to identify the benefits that God intends from the offense that has come to us. You say benefits? Benefits. For example, a 17-year-old boy was very bitter at a relative that had abused him when he was four years old. And he refused to forgive the relative, the abuser, but he also refused to forgive God. He flatly stated, God allowed it to happen, therefore he was not there when I needed him. Why should I trust him now? You see, what happens is we don't only get bitter towards the offender, we get bitter towards God. It was explained to that young man that there are three parts of a person's being, body, soul, and spirit. And he was asked, which one is most important of the three? And he said, the spirit. And he was right. And then they asked him, what is next most important? And he said, the soul. And they said, that's right too. Finally, he was asked, what is the least important part of our being? And he said, the body. Again, he was told that's, that's correct. You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, 
It says, though our outward man perish. What's the outward man? The body. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And it was pointed out to this young man that if he did not fully forgive his offender, he was allowing his offender not only to abuse his body, but also his soul and his spirit. And the young man stated very clearly he did not want that to happen. And that truth changed his heart, the bitterness that he had when he began to understand if God allows our body to be damaged, he compensates the loss from that damage by giving us far greater power and ability in our soul and in our spirit. The example of that is Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was brought as a prisoner into Babylon, and he was made a eunuch, which meant that he was never able to bear children. However, God compensated Daniel for that offense, and God gave him a mighty spirit, made him mighty in spirit and soul. And Daniel ended up serving four different kings, Daniel understood some of the great spiritual truths that God allowed him to, to, to record for us. Based on that truth, this boy that I was talking about prayed and dedicated his body and his soul and his spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. He not only forgave his offender, but he also asked God to have mercy on him and forgive him. Now then, there's some questions that I want to share with you that will help us to determine why God let it happen. If all things work together for good, that's one of the reasons why we know God lets them happen. But what are, what are some things that will help us to determine why God lets it happen? And you see, the world today, they love to see things that are, that are tragedies, and they love to see things that we think are, are, are terrible, and they say, well, you know, that's God. Why does God allow them to suffer like that? Why does God allow that to happen? Why does God allow a child to be born with deformities? Why does God allow... have a person to have Alzheimer's and spend the last years of their life losing their memory. Why does God, why all these things? And the, the devil loves to get us to blame God for it. Now, one thing we know is that sin caused disease and death. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no disease and death. So indirectly, everything comes from, from the sin and from mankind sinning. But why does God let things happen? Well, first of all, what character qualities can I learn from this offense? What character qualities? God allows an offense in our life to help us to build some character in our life. Most offenses will give us the opportunity to learn these character qualities, things like self-control and meekness, kindness, gentleness, patience. So when a, an offense comes, we can stop and say, okay, Lord, what character qualities are you trying to build into my life? Secondly, how will the offense help me to become more like Jesus? How will that offense help me to become more like Christ? If all things work together for good, and they do, the Bible says it is to conform us to the, what? Image of Jesus Christ. So whatever happens in my life, somebody offends me, somebody does something, they, they may lie about you on the job and, and you don't get the promotion or they get the job that you are trying to get. All of the different things that happen in a, in a family member may say something that offends. God uses those things in our life to help us to become more like Christ. How, do, how can I become more like Christ? 
I learned the tender mercies of God to show mercy, to forgive as God did. The Lord Jesus experienced every type of offense. Don't you think he was offended when he was crucified on an old rugged cross? And as we experience what he did, we learn more about him. We receive a greater measure of his grace. Sometimes I've talked with people who are going through severe physical pain. I saw one day this week, Brother Bob Ford, who's one of our missionaries that we support. I saw him over at the Fellowship Track League at the, at the camp meeting over there. Brother Ford has had, I think, almost, if not over, almost a hundred surgeries in his life. I don't know how he still walks. I don't know how he's still living. But he lives in a lot of constant pain. But that pain... If you talk to him, he's not bitter about it. He may well tell you that it helps him to understand a little bit more of the pain that Jesus went through for him, that he might have salvation and eternal life. Sometimes the things that we go through, it helps us to understand what the Lord went through. It helps us to understand what other people are going through. And that brings me to the third thing, and that is what child training does this achieve in me? The offenses sometimes are the results of our own failure and our transgressions. The resulting wounds from others are God's way of sometimes chastening us. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about that. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And sometimes the chastening is, is child training. It's God bringing me back to fellowship. It's God allowing things in my life to cause me to cry out to God, to say, God, I need you, to say, God, I'm sorry. I should not have done that. I should not have allowed that. And we come back to the Lord. Sometimes it's child training. It's for our benefit to bring us back to the Lord. And then, how can this offense prepare me to help others? Oftentimes what we go through in life is to help us to understand and to give counsel and comfort to others when they go through the same thing. And when we can share with others how God gives us grace and how God gives us strength to help others, we can be a blessing to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, you don't have to go through everything that somebody else is going through to be a comfort to them. But there's something about when somebody puts their arm around you and says, I understand what you're going through. There's just something about that, isn't there? When you have a dad or a mom that passes away and they say, I remember when my dad passed or my mom passed and, and I understand what you're going through. There's some things that we'll not understand, but there are many that we will and we can help others. And you can be a comfort to them as they're going through their difficult times because you've been there, you've gone through it. And then how will this prepare me for leadership? God promised that if we suffer with Him, we will reign with Him. 
2 Timothy 2.12, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Suffering will help to establish us in the faith. It will make us stronger in our walk with the Lord. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, it says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, settle, strengthen. In a more immediate sense, if God allows a person to be offended by an authority who misuses his or her power, it may well be that God's preparing you to become a leader and know how not to offend other people who are under your leadership. God takes us through things to prepare us so that we can be better used of God and help others. He will not do to those under your care. You will not do to those under your care what's been done to you. You'll know how to treat them. So in closing, let me ask you a few questions. First of all, would those who know you best, think about this for a minute, would those who know you best say that you have a tender heart? Do people know that you have a tender heart? Or do you have a bitter heart? Do you have a hard heart? Secondly, can you recall any person that has deeply hurt you? Boy, probably many of us can think of some times when we've been deeply hurt. Have we forgiven them? Or have we become bitter and hard? Can you list the benefits from your greatest offense. What has God done in your life? As you've gone through that, you've been offended. How has it benefited your life? How has God used it to build your faith? How has God used it to let you comfort others? How has God used it to let you become more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Think about the benefits that come. And then fourthly, do you want God to give you a tender heart? I think all of us would say amen to that. We want God to give us a, a tender heart. Okay, if we want God to give us a tender heart, the next, next question is, have we fully forgiven our, our offenders? Have you fully forgiven? We asked a while ago, can you recall any person that's deeply hurt you? Have you fully forgiven them? I know a man. If I called his name, might be a few of you would know him. Years ago... He was in the military, and he was home, and he came, and he brought his dad and mom to church. And he, and he asked me, he said, he said, Preacher, would you go visit my dad and mom? He said, I think my, my mom's saved, but I don't believe my dad is. I went to the home, and I found out it was the opposite. His dad was saved, but his mom wasn't, and his mom got saved. But that man at that time was, was I think, engaged to a young lady in the church where he was going. Long story short, she broke up with him, married another fellow in the military, and that man became very, very bitter. He was on fire for the Lord and was serving God, and today he's out of church. He'd later married, has gone through a divorce, his life has been a mess. But much of his problem goes back to one thing, he's never forgiven his offender. He's never forgiven that young man, that young lady, that young lady who broke off the engagement, that man who supposedly stole his fiancée. 
He's never forgiven. You say, but preacher, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt. How bad did they hurt Jesus when he went to the cross? And yet, he said, Father, forgive them. The only way you and I can do that is with the tender mercies and the grace of our God. And if you and I will forgive, God will help us to keep a tender heart and not get a bitter heart and a hard heart. Let's pray together. Father, help us. We don't want a bitter heart. We want to have a tender heart. We want to have a heart like our Savior. The tender mercies that we would show towards those that offend us. Lord, I pray tonight you'll help each one of us just to kind of do a little inventory of our own life. If there's been someone that has offended us and we've harbored that bitterness, we've never forgiven, would you give us the grace and give us the strength? We may not be there yet, but would you help us at least to be able to say, Dear God, help me to be able to forgive. Would you help us, Lord, to see the great sacrifice and the great price you paid for us? The debt that you paid and forgave so that we could have eternal life. And whatever the offense against us is not near what we did against you. Help us to forgive. Give us your grace and your strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.